Learn about the strides female entrepreneurs of color are making. Be inspired by their story and enlightened by their leadership insight and advice. Welcome to She Leads Podcast, Season 5, Episode 3. I'm your host, Nicole Walker, a mother, businesswoman, and leader. Our guest for today is Y. Renee Cooper. Yolanda Renee Cooper is affectionately known by her family and friends as Renee. Seeing others live their best lives is one of the things that drives her. Seeing victims become free and victorious and witnessing survivors thrive in their after is another thing that drives her and gives her life. Renee graduated from Trinity High School in River Forest, Illinois. After graduating, she attended Grambling State University in Grambling, Louisiana for a spell. A survivor of domestic violence, Renee made it her life's mission to make sure her voice was heard. She makes sure she cries loud and spares not for victims of domestic violence. Renee completed 40 hours of domestic violence training and obtained her certificate in the state of Illinois. Aside from being trained for domestic violence, she also volunteers her spare time at Sarah's Inn, a domestic violence agency in Oakland Park, Illinois. Renee is the founder and CEO of For My Voice Matters, a not-for-profit organization that raises funds and brings awareness to domestic violence and suicide. She organizes events to raise monies for domestic violence shelters and organizations throughout the country. Renee has spoken at the University of Chicago, the Kimmy G Foundation's Beauty for Ashes, the Move Me Soul Youth Dance and Mentoring Program. She's a member and speaker for Global Woman Club. She's spoken at several churches and organizations throughout the Chicagoland area. She also was invited to speak at a woman's shelter in Dalton, Alabama. Renee is the 2018 recipient of a GEMS Award. She's the co-host of the internet radio show called Art of Transparency. She's also keynote speaker on the 2019 Art of Transparency Tour. Without further ado, Leadership Empowerment with Y. Renee Cooper. All right. So, Renee, welcome to She Leads Podcast, Leadership Empowerment for Women of Color. We appreciate you blessing us with your insight today. It's nice to be on. Thank you so much. I appreciate the insight and um, you taking time to speak with me today. I think it's awesome. I'm excited. You're welcome. I'm glad you're excited. I am as well. Okay. So, I've read your bio and I want to say kudos to you for choosing to bring awareness to domestic violence and suicide. These are truly hard topics to work in and cover, but they definitely need the attention. So thank you for choosing to work in those areas. Well, thank you very much. As you know, I believe wholeheartedly that um, a lot of times we don't realize it, that our um, test or trial or even where we feel like we're falling off, those are actually our tests and testimonies. And I think that if we're, to be vessels in the earth because I am a believer and I believe that we're vessels in the earth that things that we go through, they're not necessarily for us. They're for us to help other people. Mm-hmm. So even though it took me a while to get to that point and, you know, be strong enough to share my story, that was one of my main motivations or pushes behind my movement. 
Okay, thanks for that. Yes, and I do agree with you that we go through to help others get through, right? And, um, yep. you know, it does sometimes take a while to to get there, but I'm glad you got there, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, <laughs> so are you ready to talk about leadership? Yes, ma'am, most definitely I'm ready. All right. So I myself feel that every person is a leader in one shape or form, whether they realize it or not. Would you agree, Renee? Yes, I do. Even though I fucking fight against the grain most times because I don't like to call myself a leader, I do agree with you. Okay. And uh, why do you feel that way, though? Just because sometimes I think that some of us by nature, we're very hard on ourselves. And I think that we don't realize that sometimes just giving advice or having people come behind us, whether it be in a job, whether it be in ministry, whether it be just in everyday life, you know, dealing with your family members or your close friends. There are some times that, you know, we have experiences that will cause other people to see that, you know, if they can do it, I could do it too. You know, let's just go with schooling. You know, most times there are things in people's families where they feel like they've been cut off because they don't have a higher education other than high school and maybe a few years of college. But then that person that comes behind them, they surpass the person in front of them because they either want to be better, prove a point, be the first one to get a college degree, whatever the case may be, but they had to look up to the person in front of them to, to strive to be better than them. And in some shape, form or fashion, that is a leadership role because apparently I'm watching you enough to say, hey, I want to be like you, but then again, I also want to be better than you. And any true leader is a servant first, but they always want those people who they lead to surpass and do better than what they're doing. Yes, thank you for that. I love that. And you definitely, you hit on a lot. And I agree with you that we don't always give ourselves the credit and kind of underestimate what we do where we may not want to call it a leader because we look at it as something small or something simple, but yet it's great in, in impact and it is actually being a leader. And I do love what you said, right? That the student should surpass the teacher. And I agree with that. And I wish a lot more people would agree with that because I've experienced a lot of teachers that, you know, want to keep students down. And uh, and in my eyesight, that keeps you down as a teacher, right? Because if your students aren't surpassing you, you aren't doing a great job as as a leader. So, you know, and people looking at you like, really, where's your fruit? You know, (laughs) like, okay, I'm not necessarily, I won't say I'm a church baby, but I do have church in me. Yeah. when we always want to talk about manifestations or people doing better, God always looked for fruit. What tree is producing the fruit? And if the fruit, if the tree didn't produce fruit, it would be cursed and it would die. No so good. Yeah. You're not producing fruit in any aspect. If and you're in education or you know a leadership role in church or in some type of organization, if you're not producing fruit, meaning that somebody behind you has to come and catch the rain, somebody behind you has to do better than you to make the organization, the church or whatever, surpass you if it's going to survive. If it's not going to survive, it's just going to die off, then it doesn't matter. Then your food doesn't matter, and that's fine. But if you want something to, like a business, company, you know, organization, whatever, whatever it may be, if you want something to continue to have legacy, that's the word I'm looking for, thank you. If, If you want it to have legacy, if you want it to move forward, then you definitely need to know that the people that you're pouring into can do above and beyond you because eventually there's going to come a time where you're not going to be here anymore. And if you want to leave something behind, you have to show leadership skills so the person behind you can go in front of you and do the same thing you're doing. It's called duplication. Mm. Yeah, I like that. 
Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. Okay. So can you tell us when you realized you were a leader and what or who helped you to come to this realization? That's why I laugh because, you know, sometimes I sit back and I look at myself and I say, I'm not a leader. I don't Mm. feel like I'm a leader. I guess it would have to say I'll use the workplace as an example. Um, You know, anytime I work for a government entity, anytime you work for the government, you know, sometimes there are just some things that become kind of most. I'll use the military, for example. You know, when you start off in the military, you're at the bottom, you're low of the low. If you don't strive to do anything, you just want, like, say, for instance, you're just using the military to get to college or just using the military to get the benefits afterwards. Or, you know, this is not something you're trying to make a career out of. You'll go to work. You'll go to the military. You'll do your due. You'll get out in four, three to four years. If you strive to make a career out of the military, then that means that you need to strive to do better. That means you need to hit points. You need to have accolades. You need to do things and, and let people know that you have the skill to maintain and be a leader in the military. At my job, it's the same thing. I went to work, I would do the work and I would do the same job every day, day in and day out. But there was something inside of me that said, I wanted more. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to necessarily continue. Now, mind you, the job I had before, sometimes, you know, I have to watch myself when I say, because words have power. I say that it would be so much easier to go back to what I was doing because there's not as much responsibility. I could go to work, do my job and go home and nobody was really going to do anything. But it was something inside of me that said I wanted a little bit more, whether it be not to just do that job anymore or just that there was more inside of me. So I decided to go off into uh, management mm-hmm. and being in management, you have to lead people. You may not like the people that you're leading, people that you're leading <laughs> may not like you, but there's a certain, there, somebody has to do the work. Somebody yeah. has to be in charge. Somebody has to do something or else, you know, organizations will fall by the wayside. So mm-hmm. in order to be a leader, somebody had to recognize the leadership skills in me and mm-hmm. push me to get to a point where I felt comfortable in, enough in myself and trusted myself to know that I could do it myself. So I guess for me, becoming a leader in the workplace would be when I actually stepped off into management. Because now I'm not responsible just for my portion of my part of the job. I'm responsible for my job. And I also have to manage a certain amount of people that are under me, which means I have to lead them. I have to guide them. I have to give them instruction. They're supposed to follow their instructions. If they don't follow their instruction, they get reprimanded or they get talked to. So that's in the workplace. In the marketplace, as far as my not-for-profit organization and as far as being an author and things like that, I think I recognized that I I was a leader because I began to speak about the things that caused me to to build the organization and to write the book. And because it's such a um, taboo type topic, because I think what happens is people are embarrassed a lot of times when it comes to DV and especially if they're in it and I'm a witness Mm-hmm. Because they don't want people to judge them. They don't want people to talk about them, whatever have you. But once you break free of that bondage, there should be something inside of you that wants to help others not go through the same thing you went through. And that kind of ignited in me to make me start the organization, for me to speak out about it, for me to challenge those who are still in situations like that to live their best life, whether it be three minutes out the relationship, whether it be years out the relationship, there's always something better. and. We don't have to live like that. 
I know it's from fear and I'm speaking from experience. I know it's fear. I know it may be financial burdens and things of that nature, but to come out of something like that, there has to be something you have to have a strength on the inside of you. So for me, leadership came in the marketplace for me when I believed enough in myself and saw that I made it out and that I know that I have the skills, the tools or the conversation Mm -hmm. to help somebody come out as well. Okay. Thank you for that. Yes. Yes. And I, I understand where you're coming from in relation to, you know, kind of just doing what you do and not really wanting to put the title of leadership or maybe not even wanting to take on the responsibility that comes with the title, but just wanting to, you know, go about and and do what you do. But then understanding that, you know, it, it is being a leader and and just taking it and rolling with it. So thanks for that. And I just want to for those listening, I know you. I heard you say DV, and that's uh, domestic violence. For anyone mm-hmm. that did not know, may want to say what? What in the world? You know. So, um, just wanted to clarify that. Okay. So, in my upcoming book, The Code of Leadership: The If Then Process, I outline my experiences and lessons that have helped me to become a better leader, with the intention of helping others do the same. Renee, can you share what you would consider to be your code of leadership and why? Um, One call to leadership for me is honesty. And I would say honesty because in order to lead somebody, you have to, there are certain truths that you have to come across in leadership that you can't sugarcoat with certain people. You can't ignore. And sometimes when we get caught up in webs of lies and be deceitful, we're only funneling or um, fueling our Mm -hmm. demise. Mm. You know, because when you tell one lie, we know the old fable. When you tell one lie, you got to tell another one to keep the first Mm -hmm. lie straight. And it becomes a tangled web. And when you get into leadership positions and they're based upon lies, eventually that will fall. Mm. How it falls, it all depends on, you know, the circumstances, if it's a scandal, not a scandal, whether the business just collapsed, whatever the case may be. But I think honesty has to be like one of the, the main key foundation points when we're talking about leadership. Okay. Thanks for that. I love that. Honesty is like, that's for me for yeah, leadership, meaning in the organization, out of an organization with the person, with that, you know, like just mm-hmm. overall, I totally agree with you. And look, I put in parentheses, just keep it real. Just keep it real, people. Just you keep know? it real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just keep it real. It makes life so much easier. Yes. And then it, it makes you more credible, right? Because I am often, I'll say tickled, right? By people mm-hmm. that lie. And then I like to kind of sit back and not even call a person out on their lie, right? So then you're just, you you realize it, you witness it, you know, you take mental notes of it, but then they really, people really think that they're getting ahead, you know, sometimes when they're telling these lies and creating these stories and then the next story doesn't match with the first story, right? Because just like you said, right. you have to keep up that web and, and you don't even realize how you're just diminishing your character and your integrity your integrity right. your integrity and it's like i might be around you but i don't believe anything you say i don't take you seriously you know and, and people need to really understand that that's what happens when you're not honest so thank you for that okay this is good stuff i'm liking this so i believe all leaders experience failure I myself, I don't like to consider them failures. I like to consider them lessons, take more of an optimistic view. Mm -hmm. Can you share your view on failure and tell us what it means to you? 
I agree with you on that. I've gotten to the point where I'm trying to be more positive in life. So I pick positive words as opposed to negative words. And failure mm-hmm. to me is a negative word. Mm-hmm. It is a part of our vocabulary. We do use it every day. But again, I think that um, mistakes are life lessons. I can go back and say that in my in my marriage, I thought I failed in my marriage. But when I had to come to the conclusion was that maybe that um, one, I probably shouldn't have got married in the first place and seen all the signs and just did it anyway. Two, that after it was said and done, no matter how upset I was, no matter how hurt I was, I knew it was for the best. And I chose to pick or decided to pick out things that I could learn from and not the fact being that my marriage failed. I picked out the things that I would look for if if I ever decided to get married again. Mm-hmm. What I would what I would do differently, what I wouldn't do differently, what I would look for, what I would look for in a mate as opposed to what I had in the middle. So the same thing in life, when it comes to being a leader, in order to lead people to truth, to better, there has to be some life lesson. And again, I tell people all the time, and I think I said it before, you know, to be a, a leader, you have to be a servant. And you, there are just certain things that we're going to come across is by trial and error. And if you make a mistake and you have an error, the best thing you could do is get up, dust yourself off and revamp it, do it over again with changes to make it work so it could be effective in leadership. Yes. Thank you for that. I totally agree. And now you said a few things that I actually love. And I love how you said, so you, you're working on being more positive as opposed to negative and using positive words over negative words, because I do believe that this is, well, I know, you know, it's a scientific fact. I actually gave a talk on it last year, but this is so much needed, you know, to be able to reframe and just reshape the way we view life so that it helps us to move forward as opposed to staying stuck where we may be. And I agree with you that failures are life lessons and life is about trial and error. And that's all we can do if we choose to. I mean, we can always give up. But right. I mean that that's a that's a bad choice, period. <laughs> yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, yes, ma'am. All right. So Renee, can you share one time you failed as a leader and tell us what you learned from that experience that helped you to become a better leader? I'll use the workplace. So when again, when you're managing or supervising a group of people, um, and you have multiple personalities to deal with. Um, I have a thing for these, I think they're, I don't know, I get the age was messed up, but the, I think the millennials are like, what, 20-something to 25 or something like that. Well, anyway, whatever group that is, I have a couple of them that work under. And these are some of the, for lack of better words, a lot of them are very disrespectful when it comes to authority. And they feel like they can say what they want, when they want, and how they want. And when you're a leader... As much as you want to come out your skin <laughs> and sometimes you want to grab these folks up and get them right because <laughs> that's not the way you were raised. And because um, there's a whole like some of these people are old enough. I'm old enough to be their mother if I had children. And just some of the stuff that they say and some stuff that come out of their mouth when they're when they're talking to authority, it just rubs you the wrong way. So for me, I had an incident and some things were misconstrued. And some things were taken out of pocket, out of context. I was even lied on Mm. and there was a moment where it got really intense and I came out of myself meaning that you know when you're in leadership especially in a job 
you know, you really don't have to go back and forth with people. You put paper to pen mm-hmm. or you let somebody go or terminate them. But I had got so out of my skin because I was just so tired of being disrespected and so tired of just, you know, just feeling you could say what you want, how you want, when you want. And without any respect for authority, I went there with that person. Like, I'm going to give you what you ask for. You want to mm-hmm. go toe to toe? You want to talk? Like, I'm going to show you better than I can tell you type thing. Mm-hmm. And it almost cost me to be wrote up myself because my boss got had to be brought involved. Mm. So with that being said, for me, the lesson was even in leadership, you know, there are times that people will, for lack of better words, pull your card mm-hmm. and they'll try you on every end. But you have to stand flat footed and know that you have the authority so much so that you don't have to go back and forth with them. You don't have to you know, argue back and forth. You don't have to stoop to their level. Because that's basically what I did. I came down on her level instead of making her rise up to mine. Mm-hmm. And me going down to her level, like I said, almost cost me to get rid of myself or even my job. Because, you know, management, when it comes to management, it's different. You lose your job quicker than a craft employee any, in any government entity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for me, that, that lesson was I have to learn how to kind of, I'll use Martin, for example, I have to step back and woosah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and breathe and take stuff into consideration and understand that I don't have to do that. You know, there's a way to talk to somebody. And just because she decided to come out her skin, I didn't have to come out of mine. I could have let her act the way she wanted to act and, you know, took paper to pen or waited till the situation calmed down and tried on another day to be more rational with her. And I, and I didn't, but that, like I said, that was my lesson. So I've learned to like watch my tongue, watch my tone, yeah, just pay more attention to what I'm doing as far as being a leader when speaking to other people. Okay, thanks for that. And I do, I understand completely. I do. <laughs> I have a 20 year old daughter, I got a sister in her 20s. So I definitely understand. And I will say, yes, that people will try you, but as a leader and as an effective and successful leader, right? We have uh-huh. a, great, a greater responsibility, you know, a greater responsibility to to reserve ourselves and you and it's so funny I wrote it down as you were talking and you even said it to rise above like you have to rise above your normal reaction you have to rise above the situation and take the higher road if you choose to be that successful and effective leader so thank you all right so Renee do you feel it's easy or harder or requires the same effort to be a female leader in the entrepreneur ecosystem and why I think it, it takes harder for us, especially um, being a woman of color and, you know, being in the, the society that we're in now. Some people say we still have it easier than some men, but I just don't believe that. I mm-hmm. think that certain doors are just open. I just unfortunately, as much as we have equal rights, as much as we fought, you know, for civil rights and all the other stuff, I think there's still just a stigmatism that hovers over us to say that a man, whether it be white, black, indifferent, brown, whatever, they can still do it better than us or they should be paid more for us just because they're a man. I think that's a bunch of garbage. Especially, unfortunately, if we look at society the way it is now, there are more female leaders in several roles. I mean, pretty much the House of Representatives and the Senate is almost being taken over by women. You know, I'll give an example. I'm in Chicago and we've just had our second female mayor and she's African-American. Mm. but it's the role that she had to take to get there. 
you know, there's still people looking at us. So, I mean, we're, we're taking over, but I still think that our counterparts are still respected more than we are. And even for me, trying to get grants and trying to get locations and doing things, I mean, there aren't many men in the arena that I'm in when it comes to domestic violence, because nine times out of 10, most men are the abusers, but there are female abusers. And I make sure I make that clear all the time. But most men who are abused aren't coming about, talk about it because they're embarrassed, because of pride, because they feel like they can't tell nobody, no woman is abusing them, whether it be physically, emotionally, financially, or verbally. So when it comes to being in this arena, I don't have any challenges for men. So I can't really say I know offhand, firsthand what it's like. Even in the in the workplace where I work at now, many, many women are getting the head positions, the supervisor positions, the uh, management positions, the in-office, in-the-big-house positions. But there's always that one male counterpart that's there that, you know, somehow or another we, we find through the cracks that they're making more than us and they either got the job later than we did or they don't have nearly the experience that we have or they don't have the education that we have. And how do we fight that other than writing EEOs? But then there's a way to get around those. So unfortunately, I think I do say that it's better than years past. We have evolved. It's not like we're standing still. But I just think that it's still not where it should be, if that makes sense. Yes. No, it does make sense. And I do agree with you that in reality, just calling a spade a spade, so to say, and looking at it at face value, women do or have gotten a shorter end of the stick. We are starting to show up more and more and more, which is awesome. And I just am hopeful that in addition to the face, the money will also follow, right? Because I do agree that women get paid. I think men get a dollar, women get what, 70 cents on Uh comparison to the dollar that men get. So these are just facts, you know? So I do agree with that. and, And I do like the changes that I'm seeing. And I hope I'm hopeful that they will continue to change and women will continue to elevate and the the scale will someday be actually be level. So thank you. Okay, so productivity is a hot topic right now, as it should be. Many people want to know how to do more with less and be efficient. As a successful leader, this is a must. Renee, do you have any productivity tips to share with our listeners? Definitely make a plan, meaning write it out, big journaling, and I'm big on setting up things. And sometimes people will say that it doesn't always work out for me, but everybody's journey is different when it comes to journaling and how you plan out something. And as once you plan it, you have to make sure you execute it. A plan written but not executed is just a dream or it's just something on a piece of paper. So I would always say as far as in order to do, you have to take action in everything you do. It's always good to have a thought or a plan to do something. But if you don't take the action, whether it be to do research, whether it be to talk to somebody who's in the same field as you, talk to somebody who you want to be like, find a mentor, whatever the case may be. But if you just think about it and don't take action, you're not going to go anywhere. For me, my journey started after I came out of my situation and I'm a a domestic abuse survivor by 10 years. I'm also a gunshot assault survivor. I was shot um, four times. And I sat on it and didn't do anything out of fear for a while. But once I did, and I realized that there were so many people that had been through something similar to what I had been through as far as domestic violence was concerned, 
it was something that I had to do. And I had people behind me pushing me, talking about you got to do something when you got to talk to people that are listening to you, you have their ear. And at that point, I had to make a plan. Well, what am I going to do? Am I going to just start an organization or am I just going to put myself out there to speak? Or am I just going to go help another organization as opposed to doing my own? So I sat down, I wrote out a plan and my organization was birthed maybe four months after that. But I had to do the research. I mean, I had to look up how do you get an EIN number? I had to look up how do you apply for a non-for-profit status? How do you apply for a name in a state that you live in? How do you make connections with different people? Who has a, a blueprint that you can not necessarily carbon copy, but you can mirror, you know, mm-hmm. mirror a little bit or find something from them? Because again, the best form of flattery is imitation. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's just strategy. You got to always have a strategy. You got to work your strategy. Okay. Thank you for that. I love that. And I agree with you. Write it down. I love journaling. And I love what you said. And then you have to execute, right? Because, I mean, you can write it, but if you don't take action, then it's not going to happen. So thank Mm -hmm. you. And I love your examples. And thanks for just getting personal with us for a moment. So I appreciate that. All right. So can you share an experience that blessed your leadership and tell us about the outcome or the takeaway that you learned? You know what? I guess I'm blessed anytime somebody can come back and tell me that they think I'm doing a good job Mm -hmm. because we I'm quite sure you worked with people, for people, under people at some point in time in your life. And we've always run across a boss or someone who's not really concerned with their people. Mm-hmm. Or somebody <laughs> mistreats their people. And so when you're dealing with people like that, you know, and you should come back and say something like, you know what, if I ever get in a position like that, I want to be better than the person who was my boss who mistreated me because I just I didn't like the way that felt. Mm-hmm. Some people get it, some people don't. Some people end up mirroring the bad person as opposed to changing and mm-hmm. making sure that they don't act like that person. Mm-hmm. But I strive in myself that anybody who's ever mishandled, mistreated me in the workplace, that I would never want to treat anybody like that because I know how it made me feel. So when someone can come back to me now, especially here on my job, and they'll say, you know what, truth be told, you've been excellent here. I've been in, I've been in this, this office that I'm in now in two different roles in, in three years. I've been a supervisor and I've been an acting manager. And Being an acting manager for the last, I'll say, six or seven months or so, I've had a couple carriers come up to me and honestly say they appreciate me and that I'm one of the best bosses, if not the best boss they've ever had. That has to make your heart happy because that means I'm doing something right. Mm -hmm. If I can get somebody, because it's all about teamwork. And I tell people all the time, they make my job easier when they do their job. If they do their job, I really don't have nothing to do. And it makes it so much easier and so much stress-free. But I also know that, too, if, if, they, if they're if they in a hostile environment or if they're disgruntled, it's less likely for me to be get full production out of my team. So in order to get the full production and get things done and have things working in a, in a good fashion, I treat them the way I want to be treated. There are going to be some things that they don't like that's going to be said or done that's not necessarily from me because it's just the way the organization is run. There's rules to everything and you have to follow protocol and do whatever happens. may not make sense to you, but it's sometimes it's something we have to do. So with that being said, I strive myself and like I said, treating them the way I want to be treated and try to do better than my last boss, which is a part of leadership. Like I said, I learned from my bosses to be better. 
And when somebody can come back and tell me I'm doing a good job, whether it be here, whether it be in my organization, because I'm touching somebody, telling a story, and I'm pushing them to come out of what they're in, then that makes me feel that right there is reward enough. If I don't ever get a dime for, you know, anything that I do, most of my proceeds or anything that I do, most of my proceeds go back to the organization anyway. But like, if nobody ever wants to pay me and I'm just out here and I'm speaking and I can help one person realize their worth, then I'm, I've done something. If I can make you feel like your job is important and I can make you feel like you did a great job today, no matter what, then I've done my job. And that makes me feel good. Yes. Thank you for that. I love that. I love that. And I agree with you, right? Because when we are impacted by others, we have a choice. And sometimes the choice, though, I feel like is subconscious, right? To to copy their negative behavior or to choose to not treat people like that. Because I've been I've been in both where I unknowingly, like not even realizing that the behavior from others that I despised, I was in turn treating other people the same way, you know, and then realizing like there has to be a better way. And then kind of taking a self-reflection and realizing that I was being a catalyst of negativity. Like I was keeping negativity going as opposed to changing the landscape. So thank you for that. Okay. So Renee, can you offer our listeners the best advice you have as a leader or have ever received from a leader and tell us how you've implemented it into your life? Oh, wow. I think I pretty much touched on that the whole conversation so far. Um, Everything (laughs) I've learned in life with my job, watching my bosses before me, trying to glean off of them as much as I possibly can, and then adding my own little flavor to it to make it work for me would be the best advice I can give anybody. You're not going to be, we're all different by design. You know, when you think again, spiritually, you know, everybody, nobody has the same DNA, not even twins. They may mirror each other. They may be similar in order so we can tell that you're related, but your DNA is not the same. So that means that I'm different from you. You're different from me. You may do something different than I do. You may do it better than I do, but that doesn't mean I can't do it well. So in order for me to be better, I just need to, focus on my craft and helping me do whatever it is to get the job done for me to make it work. But at the same time, I'm showing somebody else that it's okay to be different, that you can get the same results or better results as long as you focus, keep your head up, be attentive, and just work what you have to the best of your ability to strive to be as great as you possibly can be. Okay. Thank you for that. All right. So you made it to the finish line. How do you feel? I feel great. How you feel? <laughs> I feel good. <laughs> Thank you. Look, no one ever asks me how I feel. <laughs> no, but it's important. Like, I, you know, people, that's, you know, and when you're a leader or you're the strong one, and I'll say this, I'm assuming because you asked me if we're at the end of closing. In leadership and in life, a lot of times when we portray ourselves to be strong, those moments that we have weak times, the people who always looked us be strong, they don't know how to gather us. Yes. Because they've never seen us be weak. Yep. And if it, it rubs them the wrong way, they don't know how to handle it. They give you the side eye or they're looking at you like, it can't be you. What's your problem? Whatever have you. Like, we can't go through anything. Or because we've worn, for lack of better words, a mask, mm-hmm. or because we feel like we have to be strong in public, that if we have a moment of weakness, we're judged. Mm, so mm-hmm. with that being said I would tell leaders all the time make sure you take care of self first yes. because that moment that you have a moment a rough patch 
and people look at you like we can't believe that you fell off or you did something or whatever have you. You need to be able to still pull up in yourself and say, hey, I'm human. Mm-hmm. Stuff happens, but I can bounce back. Yep. My yeah. bounce back is on point. My bounce back is so strong. It's, it's something else. Yes, I love it. I love it. Yes, I can relate to that wholeheartedly. So thank you. Thank you. Okay, so Renee, I want to thank you again for being our guest on She Leads Podcast. Thank you for having me. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Yes, leadership empowerment for women of color. But before we part, do you want to give our listeners your contact information or mention any events, products, services, and or ventures that they benefit from knowing about? Thank you. Well, yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Again, my name is Y. Renee Cooper. You can find me on Facebook. I have an author's page because I am a international best-selling Amazon author of the book Assassination Avoided Destiny Defined. It's a short read about my journey and my life of domestic violence and how I came out and to give tips of red flags that you can notice if you're in a relationship or if you know someone who's in a relationship. And it also has a brief thing about um, suicide awareness in there as well. So that's available on Amazon in digital and in paperback. Or you can inbox me and I can always send you an autographed copy if you want to do it that way. So Facebook is Y Renee Cooper, or you can go to my organization page, which is For My Voice Matters. It's the number four, My Voice Matters. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter with those same handles. And let's see, the book, like I said, is on Amazon. I'm really excited about it. It's my first book and it came out in January of this year. So you all need to get that. Get some for your friends, your family. And it's really reasonable. So it's not like it's going to cost your arm and two legs. And it's a short read. So it won't take up a lot of your time either. Coming up this year, October is always a busy month for me because of domestic violence awareness. So right now, though, what I have set in my calendar and I'm working on some other dates is I have a I'm with the BGK Business Expo, October 19th. I'm doing a workshop for them. This is an organization that is ran by pastors. And what they're doing is they're promoting businesses in the community. So several vendors will be there and it's free to the public. And there also be people like myself hosting different workshops and different topics. So it'll be from like life, family, domestic violence, jobs, not-for-profit stuff, everything that you could think of will be here at this location. And again, this is October 19th. You can follow me on my pages to get more information. I don't have all the particulars, but I know it will be at a high school on the south side of Chicago if you're in the Chicagoland area. And you're more than welcome to come and meet me in person. Also, I'm the keynote speaker for Masquerade Ball Friday, October 25th, which is from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. It's $50. It's called Unmask the Barriers of Domestic Violence. And that is going to be held at the lab, which is on Lake Street in Chicago, Illinois. Again, more information on my pages about that. Would love to see you all come out and support and all proceeds go to domestic violence work in the city of Chicago. So right now, that's really about it. Again, anything that's kind of coming up, which will probably a lot of stuff comes up like at the last minute. If you follow me on my media pages, you can find out what I'm doing. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. You're welcome. You're welcome. I really enjoyed this interview with Renee, and I hope you did as well. I agree with Renee's advice to treat others better than we have been treated. Choose to be better by taking the high road to decrease the cycle of toxicity present in many marriages, households, families, 
friendships, churches, workplaces, communities, and so on. As Renee stated, some people mirror the bad person as opposed to changing it. Negative experiences are impactful and leave a blueprint on our lives. This is something we cannot control. We are impacted by our interactions, even if we don't like it or choose not to accept it. Thankfully, we have been blessed with the ability, the chance, the option, and the power to stop the madness by being and doing better. A quote by Stephen Covey reads, Moral authority comes from following universal and timeless principles like honesty, integrity, and treating people with respect. I admire Renee's decision to help others by having the courage to open up about her experiences with domestic violence. Renee turned her pain into her power, and now she profits from the purpose of it all. As Renee mentioned, our trials and where we feel like we're falling off are our testimony. Rising above adversity is a great accomplishment. Yet choosing to stop at this point is a complete disservice. Renee advised us to speak out because that's what leaders do. Disregarding the judgment of others provides the opportunity to share our life freely and openly. Seek liberty and change lives by helping others get through what you have gone through. A quote by Mahatma Gandhi reads, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. I can relate to Renee's experience with having a failed marriage as I experienced the same. I wore a mask for many years and pretended to be strong while slowly dying on the inside until I decided to take care of myself first. Knowing something is for the best does not take away the pain associated with letting go. By choosing to focus on and be grateful for the lessons learned from my previous marriage, I have become better as opposed to becoming bitter. When we replace negative thoughts with positive thoughts and negative words with positive words, we shift the atmosphere and begin to see and experience life differently. A quote by Winston Churchill reads, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Nicole Walker's takeaway for this week. Renee suggested we find someone who has done what we aim to do, then use their example as a guiding light to navigate in the darkness of the unknown. This is a controversial idea for me because my upbringing taught me that being copied by others is annoying and copying others is cheating. Gratefully, I now realize that it is a blessing to be a source of inspiration to others, and it is a gift to acquire the strategies needed for success. I will make it my business to find my someone to glean from by doing research on those that have been where I want to go so I can have a vivid picture of what it takes to accomplish my goals. A quote by Sean Johnson reads, I always have someone to look up to. And I think it helps me with motivating myself. And now we have Nicole Walker's Leadership Challenge of the Week. My leadership challenge for you would be to think about the one thing that you can take away from this episode and adopt into your life. 
I know it's hard to absorb too much information at one time, and it's even harder to try and implement too many changes at once. When I attend a training or listen to podcasts, I aim to walk away with at least one thing that stuck out to me and one way that I can change as a result. I challenge you to do the same. Don't forget to subscribe to She Leads Podcast for first access to future episodes. And also like and share this episode of She Leads Podcast entitled Choose a Better Way with Y. Renee Cooper. Thanks. And until next time, be empowered and empower on.